they missed the underlying point of the law. And I think we miss it too. Because we look at Leviticus 20 and we go, well, I'm not, I'm not doing that. And I'm not doing that. And I'm not doing that. And their blood's on their head. What's that about? And I'm supposed to put it to death. What's that about? Well, let's see if we can see some of the point underneath the law. All these violations of God's beautiful design for sexual purity would cause, in most cases, his blood to be upon him. Or some translations say his blood's upon his head. So what's the point of that? His blood's on his head. I think it's a a reminder that every man and woman will stand before God someday to give an account of their deeds. We're told this in Romans 14, which says, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Now, if you are a true believer in Jesus Christ... In that day, God will look at you and me through the filter of the finished work of Christ. He will see us as holy because of Christ's perfect holiness. He will see us that way, and we will be viewed as holy before him. But you and I know that in this process of life, in living out our life, that we are to be moving forward as consecrated people moving toward holiness, you know that we make lots of choices that don't look very holy. And sometimes we make poor decisions or blatant sin. And I think this scripture reminds us that we're still responsible for our actions. We, in a sense, we need to take responsibility. In a sense, our blood's on our own head. We need to quit deciding we are victims and we couldn't help it or pass judgment. We need to own our own sin before God and say, I am responsible for what I did. Now, we might be victims, but how we respond from there, we need to take responsibility for that. And God is quick to forgive. He says he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us. And he has already taken the weight on himself. But we still need to know that our sin does interrupt our fellowship. And we need to take responsibility for that. In a very real sense, our children in this culture are not being taught that their own blood is on their own head. We need to teach our children that they need to bear the consequences of their choices, of their sins, of their actions. Um... So I know it's a temptation for us in this day and age. We hate to see our little babies. They're so sweet. We just hate for them to have to feel that. So we go talk to the teacher or the principal or we make excuses for their actions. How important it is we teach them this principle now. They are responsible for their own own sin, for their own actions. Maybe that's one of the points. All right, but how do we sacrifice our children to Molech? Oh, we would never do that. That's horrible. But maybe we miss the point a little bit. Anything we worship is a violation of the commandment, thou shalt have no other gods before me. And what I think the question might be to ask ourselves, what might we be doing that we're willing 
to try to um, cover our own sin or to, um, we put other things before our worship of God. In this culture, you probably talked in your groups that one of the clearest examples might be um, even in the area of abortion, that um, we want to cover our sin by sacrificing a child, in essence. But I think it's even more than that. I think it's more subtle for most of us. Do I encourage activity or lifestyles for my children or myself that don't glorify God? Do I care more about what other people think that I put them before the Lord? Do I want my daughter to be popular? And so I encourage her or even don't deny her the freedom of dating too young or having conversations that are difficult. Do I want my boys to be so proficient at sports because I admire the persona of that lifestyle that I let them miss opportunities to be with the body of Christ, the community, and where they are spending more time in fellowship. Am I in my own life sacrificing other things in pursuing some other idol in my life? Perhaps that's the point. But how about verses 25 and 26 in this passage? We've talked about these before, but it speaks of... um, You shall therefore separate the clean beast from the unclean, the unclean bird from the bird, from the, uh, from the clean. You shall not make yourself detestable by beast or bird or anything with which the ground crawls. I have to tell you, I'm not struggling with that little passage myself. Are you? Are you worried about cleaning, picking which bird you're going to eat, which is, unless you're on a diet probably. But, uh, but I think we might miss the point if we think that's what that's about. What's the point? I think it's a call for God's people to be discerning, that we need to evaluate our choices. There are some things that are holy for us and some things that are not. And I have to say to you, that's not going to be the same from person to person. God knows your heart. He knows the things that tempt you. He knows the areas that you struggle. So we need to evaluate our choices. We need to to be discerning. Um, Do you know God... God's ways include um, considering how we honor him in all things, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And in 1 Corinthians 10, he was talking about um, some believers feeling like they could eat food offered to idols and others not. And I think the applications here is the same. There are things that are not appropriate for one of you to do that may be okay, but you need to seek and be discerning for how you can move toward holiness, how you can set yourself apart, be more consecrated to God by considering, discerning, is this something that is clean for me? Is it something that's okay? Or is this something that's not clean for me? Something that is not, does not lead me toward holiness. And only you and the Lord can settle those things. So perhaps that's some of the point. All right, but what about this put-to-death thing? Does God expect me to kill something? Well, I think there's a great passage in Colossians 3, so we're going to go there. To me, it sort of was like a New Testament application of this. So Colossians 3, and we're going to read a few of those verses together. 
If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Now look at verse 5. Put to death, therefore, whatever is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is an idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. God is speaking here to his people. These are people who have been raised up with Christ who are supposed to be seeking things, speak, seeking spiritual things. They were to set their minds on things above. And yet he says to them, you got these things within. You've got this struggle with sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness. Doesn't that sound like what Leviticus 20 was talking about? And he's saying, these things, you are to kill these things. You are to put to death. He also adds some other things they were to put to death. Look look in verse um, 8. But now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. So yes, there were things that we put to death. We are put to death when we feel that temptation coming up. We are to put to death that um, and not walk in it, not practice, not live out what we're being tempted to do. And just as an aside, did you notice in verse 3, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ? Okay, dead people are not bothered by the smell of bacon. Dead people are not tempted to lust. Dead people are not tempted to commit adultery because they are dead. And we should be, if we're dead in Christ, we need to consider ourselves dead to these temptations. It is not that we won't be tempted, but we are to put to death these temptations that uh, rise within us. And how do, um, now he sort of turns it in verse um, 12 to what we're to do instead. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And then it goes on to talk about putting on love and how the peace of Christ will reign in you. Um, now, I could tell you that today I can walk out of here and I go, oh, I've been pretty nice today. And I, didn't, I forgave that person who cut me off on the bypass over there. And I'm, my holiness checklist, I'm, I'm getting pretty holy here. And I want to say, you, we miss it if that's the way we think. Because God has made, if you are a believer in Christ, God sees you as holy. Christ's holiness is imputed on us. We are not holy in ourselves at all. But he sees us through Christ's holiness. And then he commands us that we are to move toward holiness. Because he is our king. He is our Lord. He is our God. He is our Father. And 
He is holy. We want to be like him. We want to look like him. We want to reflect him. And I could tell you, this list about being kind, holy, I cannot do that list. I, I can't do that for one second. I will blow it before I get to the car today. Because this work is only done by the enabling power of the Holy Spirit within. He is the only one that can enable us to move toward holiness, to live out how to be consecrated. It is he who is doing the work in us, making us more like Christ. I think so often we, we get confused between that because we think we've got to earn our way and yet we need to know that it is Christ himself who is doing this work in us. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we can look like our holy God. Consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy. For I am the Lord your God. Keep my statutes and do them. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. I think that's the point. Let's pray. Father, we cannot do these things that you have asked of us if your spirit does not do the work in us. It is you who enable us to live according to the life you've called us to live. Lord, we want to look like you. We want to become a holy woman, sanctified, consecrated, set apart for you. But we cannot do that, Lord, on our own. We are not able. I thank you that you are so full of grace that you would in that you would give us tools, you would, um, you would empower us to do what we cannot do. And Lord, I pray that we would fall upon you in total dependence, knowing that it is only you who can accomplish this in us. Thank you, Lord, that you are willing to do that. Help us, Lord God. And may we bring you glory this day in all that we do. In your name we pray.